Folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. This is episode 553. Uh, this is the chats edition. We also have a forums edition every week where we just talk strategy. Um, I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluff Serini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. And I have the best freaking job in the world talking poker with my friends here on the podcast every Monday night at 730 Eastern live on YouTube. You can join us for free and win a prize just for showing up. Uh, we're going to talk to our guest, uh, Ben Ludlow, in just a moment. But first, I have to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. You can find out more about them at runaces.com. Uh, most of what we're doing here is free. We're a largely volunteer-based organization, so we really depend on support from our sponsors and our premium members. Uh, it's going to be a great time at Running Aces this weekend on January 19th and 20th. We're going to be up there uh, having Rec Poker Weekend at Running Aces. There's a Ford Tournament Series, and we're also going to be uh, raising some money for local food banks. So I hope folks in the area you can come and stick around and have some fun with us up there. Um, like I say, most of what we do here at Rec Poker is free. Uh, if you want to try our premium access uh, membership, you can get your first month for only five bucks by using the code at Rec Poker, and I hope you do. Now, they let me host the show on Mondays, but I'm just one person. It takes a whole crew, a village, uh, a gang to make the magic here at Rec Poker happen. We call this group of wizards the Wrecking Crew. And if you want to find out more about me or the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen up because you're going to meet a few of them right here tonight on the show, starting with producing co-host Chris Jones. Well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5 by 5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm in charge of our monthly deep dives uh, segment where we explore a, a poker themed uh, strategy topic. And I'm also really looking forward. If anyone's coming to the Running Aces, I will be there for, I think, all four tournaments. So I'll see you there. And I am John Somsky, also known as Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I try to help out running our home games. And I also will be at some of the uh, Running Aces tournaments, so I hope to see you there. And I'm Keith Brandt. That's Monkey System just about everywhere. And I run Monkey's Off-Table Tools every month, and I plan to be up there at Running Aces also. I might have to miss one of the tournaments if the Packers are beating the 49ers. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm Sasha Sutton. You can find me at Poker for Girls on Twitter. And I run a bi-weekly study group with Rec Poker called Mastering Mindset. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. I'm excited to be joined by uh, Benjamin Ludlow, the one and only. Um, ben, first of all, uh, I don't want to put you in a box. I'll just say uh, you're a guy that loves poker. You and I met each other at a couple of run good events over the last little while. And um, you've turned into quite a... Uh, a successful and fun professional player. So let's just start off uh, nice and easy and welcome you welcome you here to the Rec Poker Podcast. Thanks for saying hi. Thank you, everyone. Which one of you was that guitar shredding at the beginning? That was impressive. <laughs> that was Peter Trulin, and we're uh, very lucky to have his uh, contribution to the show. Yeah, thank you. It, get, it gets you going, Will, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the, vibes are, the vibes are immaculate. Thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ben, uh, if folks uh, know you from um, coming up on the show, we've talked about Run Good Stuff here a lot. Um, you're a fun character there. Um, they probably know you as someone who sort of plays live poker tournaments as, as kind of your bread and butter. Is that is that a, a fair hole to put you in, a fair uh, bo box to put you in? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I've played live poker tournaments very seriously for a long time, but only over the last I want to say, let's call it a year, 
have I really been like, all right, this is exclusively sort of what I'm doing and traveling around or playing in the Vegas scene where I live. So yeah, live tournaments, live MTTs. That's awesome. It seems like, and I think, you know, live tournament or live poker is, is more fun than online mm-hmm. poker. The social element of it is more fun. Um, being able to play against the other players at the table, I think, uh, you know, is a, a sort of like a more pure side of poker. Um, do, do you, have you always focused on live play or did you play online as well and just decide this was an area of strength for you? It's funny. I I think back to being a junior in college, uh, January, February, March of 2011, I was in college and playing a lot of sit and goes on poker stars. And I thought, oh, I'm going to try and go for this supernova elite thing, play all this volume online. It's going to be great. And I had three great months and I was like, I don't need to get a job. This is awesome. And then, as we all know, April 2011 was Black Friday. So that sort of ended my serious pursuit of online poker. I've always played a little bit, you know, during the circuit series or during the summer for some bracelet events on WSOP.com. But yeah, I would say, you know, 90 plus percent of my volume over the last 10 years has been live. Uh, I worked for a long time. So, you know, when, when you're, when you're taking your vacation to play poker, you don't want to play online. That's boring. So <laughs> I love it. Um, well, if, uh, if you're watching live in the YouTube chat, I'd encourage you to type any questions you have, uh, for Ben in the YouTube chat there. And we're also going to be playing stake study stack with Ben later. So throw some names of famous poker players into the YouTube chat as well. Um, we're also going to be doing our raffle at the end of the show to support a local food bank. So prepare to uh, type the word food bank into the uh, chat at one point later in the show as well. Basically, if you're here in the YouTube chat, stick around. You're going to find some fun ways to uh, win a prize and engage just for just for showing up. Um, so, Ben, that's a that's a, a, a sort of a journey that you've been on within the poker world, um, so, sort of sometimes by choice and sometimes by necessity. What was there a moment, like you say, about a year ago or so uh, that made you decide, no, I'm I'm just pursuing this. I'm traveling around uh, North America, playing live uh, tournaments. And what sort of made you decide that that was the right step for you next? Yeah, I I won't go too deep into my journey here because it's there's a, a long stories of how we got to here. But I've lived in Vegas. Uh, I, I worked in New York. Uh, in finance for five years and then moved out to Los Angeles for a startup in 2017. And I kind of knew going into that startup that it was a kind of a high variance decision. You know, it was mm. one of these things where it was either going to work out or it wasn't going to pretty quickly. So I knew that I wanted to get to the West Coast where there was more poker and pursue some creative things as well. I did stand up comedy for several years and, um, you know, part of moving out to the West Coast was starting to take poker more seriously. But even since I've lived in Vegas for the last five years, I've always been kind of doing four things at once. You know, I continued to consult and work in the finance world and the venture capital world, uh, working with startups and entrepreneurs, uh, was seriously writing screenplays for a while and trying to get movies made, doing stand-up comedy and traveling around trying to do that. So poker has always been a part of that, but it wasn't like the thing you know, the one thing until recently. And it was just sort of a moment of, I think I've always been part of the community. I mean, living in Vegas, you know, we have our world of poker players here and and all my friends for a long time have been in the industry. Actually, that that summer that Black Friday happened in 2011, I actually worked for Poker News. Uh, mm. And so that a lot of my oldest friends in poker are industry guys and all of whom or you know, or women who are still kind of in the industry. So a lot of the people that I go way back with have been in poker. So 
I've been, I felt like I've been part of the poker community for a very long time, despite not be ever considering myself a professional or kind of taking it seriously to the point of being a professional. So I fell in love with the community and kind of, you know, a lot of things around it before I really fell in love with the game. And I think the last two, three years, really starting to try and take it more seriously, getting more into the studying tools and kind of what we have available to us to get better at the game. Um, it just kind of came to a moment where I was like, well, there's nothing else I'm really want to do right now. So I might as well just do this. And I think as soon as I made that decision, you know, success started to come, I think like with anything, you start to take it more seriously and uh, the effort that you put into something, you know, shows up. So yeah, it was at a moment then that I started to really put in volume beyond just playing, you know, six or seven or 10 events at the World Series. It was, all right, what's going on before? What's going on after? What's the next stop? Let's make sure I'm at the win every day when I'm home playing tournaments, et cetera. So yeah, it was just a moment of finally, this was the only thing on my plate and the only thing I really wanted to do. So why force it or, uh, you know, why question it? Yeah, why fight it? I love that. Exactly. Um, One segment, one segue I want to take here. Um, we got uh, Brian Winter, the Golden Blazer, in the chat saying uh, <laughs> LFG bands. You got at least at least one fan here in the group already so far. That's my main man, Brian. I'm yeah, uh, I'm sad I'm not going to be in Tulsa with the whole Run Good crew this weekend, but I have to go to a bachelor party in Florida. Really a huge bummer. So mm, that's yeah, tough life you got there, bummer, man. Yeah. Tough life, man. Yeah. Uh, but that was actually going to be one of my questions for you. So I've got a couple lined up here. And again, if you're in the YouTube chat and you have some questions for Ben, type them in. Um, how do you choose? So, so you're a professional MTT player. Uh, so it's a business decision, how you invest your buy-ins, how do you choose which tournaments to play in and how do you choose like when to travel and add that expense to your ticket as opposed to just like kind of playing locally? That is a fantastic question. And I wish I had the, <laughs> the right <laughs> answer or whatever, because ah. I still struggle with that. Literally on my phone, there's a list of every stop for the next five months. And I've uh, I'm I'm a man who changes his mind once a day about his life. So, sure. you know, tomorrow I think I'll probably plan to travel to, you know, Vietnam for three stops and, you know, <laughs> go to Florida and every stop in between and and go to six run good stops. And then the next day I'll be deciding, well, there's no point. I own a house in Las Vegas. Why not just go to the win in Venetian every day? I think the 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 answer for me luckily has been mostly uh and and I think this is also a nice segue into what I love about Run Good is is socially a bit for me. You know, I, I'm a lot of my best friends are the people and kind of in that Run Good world or who are other traveling players. So it's the type of thing where if Brian and Rachel are going to be at a stop, that's an easy one for like, oh yeah, well if it works out for me, I'd love to be there and spend time with them and you know be able to kind of be around my friends when I'm not playing. But I think it's it's. For a lot of us guys in Vegas, it, it is a constant question, too, because the tournaments here are good, but also, you know, there's a huge majority of of tournament professionals who live here. So you show up to a $600 buy-in at the Venetian, and you might play against someone who just came from the Poker Go studio because that's all that's going on today. So I think um, it's a little bit of – it's 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 tough to answer um, – you know, what at what point does the expense of traveling kind of outweigh the difficulty of tournaments where you are here in Vegas versus, you know, if I'm going to Thunder Valley or if I'm going to Council Bluffs where we just were kind of the, you know, the relative difficulty of the tournaments. But for me, luckily, Run Good has sort of allowed me to make that decision based on, you know, social or when I'm an ambassador for a certain stop. Um, 
But yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out, man. That's a good question, you know, because right now I'm sort of in in trying to improve mode and study mode too. So I think for the next three or four months, I'm going to be very Vegas centric because I'm trying to keep expenses low and save up for the World Series and then, you know, the rest of the year. But uh, something for me too, I think something like I'll never try, I'll try and always go to a Thunder Valley stop or I'll try and always go to, you know, a great and stop places where they take really good care of us. I'm friends with the people who run the room or I know I'm going to have friends at the stop. So, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Runga, they have such a good time. They do such a great job with their series. Uh, Tyna and Haley really know what they're doing and they have great staff and they have a great group of regulars that come along. Um, we definitely encourage folks. Uh, I wish they'd do more stuff up in the Northeast. They got to come up where uh, near near where I am so I can drive down. Yeah, well, we went, um, I think the first time we met was at that Baltimore stop. And that was yeah. the first real kind of East Coast. I mean, besides they've been down to Jacksonville and Florida a few times. That was the first real like East Coast, East Coast stop. And I think luckily, you know, you see how well the Borgata series is doing. I think we'll have more opportunities to, you know, East Coast poker is coming back. It just took a long time after COVID mm. for tournaments in the East Coast to really return. So I, th- I think it's definitely on their radar and they know it's an interesting a, a place they want to be. So yeah. I, I would imagine that, you know, I don't know if we'll get as far north as you, but yeah, yeah, that's right. Like a guy can dream, but uh, yeah, dream. we had yeah, a yeah. They, run uh, good turning stone, to... maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Why not? You know, Why south not? of the yeah. border, still. So as we like to think of it. Um, <laughs> although uh, I will say the playground is a great place to come play poker. I think oh, that, yeah. that would be a great stop for for a run good. Uh, I went to trip. I went to college in New Hampshire, and one of my poker news buddies lives in Montreal, so I've gotten to go up to. I mm. used to drive up there and play every now and then. Yeah, it's it's a great place. Yeah, Montreal's a, a fun city too. Um, so Ben, that was another question I wanted to ask you actually about uh uh you said taking some time studying, spending some time in the lab. Um, you've progressed a lot as a player over the last 10 years, obviously. Um, what what's changed about how you study now versus how you used to study when you were first coming up uh, in, in the ranks as a player? What's changed is that now I do study. yeah yeah i I think a lot of us you know i think the beauty and the curse of poker is that it's so easy to learn and you can obviously um delusional is the wrong word but you know (laughs) success can come when you're making mistakes so for a long time you can get away with playing on intuition especially depending on the games you're playing and where you're playing etc and i think um you know, I always had a feel like I had a good feel for making adjustments at the table and kind of understanding how to play against certain people. But I never had a real baseline or a theoretical baseline. And again, I think a lot of that has to just do with the tools that are available to us too, right? Like I remember the book, uh, maybe, I, I don't know if anyone's, this is going to, it's called Let There Be Range, which oh, was, sure. it, it came out, I, I mean, must've been 2010 or nine or something. And that was the first time that really the concept of, thinking about poker in terms of ranges and making decisions based on, you know, a group of hands as opposed to, I put this guy on aces kind of thing, you know, w- concept was introduced and it was like a 20 page book and they were selling it for like three grand. So you think <laughs> right. about that 12 years ago versus now where you have every single flop solved that you could get for, you know, 80 to a hundred dollars a month from multiple sources. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a matter of convenience and sort of, what's available to us. So I think the major difference is now it's so much easier to study. And I think um, also we have a lot of people 
who realize that just giving you the answers isn't enough. I think like you have to learn how to study and what works for you. I mean, I am perhaps the most ADD person on the planet. <laughs> I legitimately have to set a time. I don't know where my timer is. I just clean my, oh, here it is. I have a timer on my desk and literally I'll set it to like 22 minutes because I know I can focus for 22 minutes. And so I'll put 22 minutes on the timer and I know like, all right, even if I'm like starting to wander off in like my mind or something, I'll look down and be like, okay, seven minutes left. I can like continue to focus on this video for seven minutes. So I think you just have to figure out what works for you um, and really take a step back and think about how you need to study, how, how it's going to work for you. I mean, you know, Jeff Platt's my best friend in poker and he studies several hours a day, but he just will sit there and watch a training video and remember everything that's in the video. Yeah. And I, I, for me, I need to, it needs to be a bit more involved, something that's gamified, something that's, you know, I can go back and look at my notes. I might need to watch the video a few times. So I think it's going to take me a lot more effort than it will for certain people. You know, I don't have the mental talent that some people do to kind of retain information quickly, but uh, that's yeah. a good, I like having the timer out there. Like that's a, when I was quitting smoking, Yeah, I remember that was a good technique for me. It was just like, well, just, just five minutes, you know, yeah. you can go five minutes without having a cigarette. <laughs> So and 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 if you're struggling, like, well, four minutes. minutes. All right, let's go four minutes. Yeah, yeah, but anything, anything you can do and re repeat, right? I mean, that's that's Absolutely. one of the keys. Um, so yeah. good for you, good for you, and good for like playing to your strengths too, right? I mean, we all have these little um, eccentricities that uh, we can kind of try and work through, or we can work around, or uh, it's part of uh, what we are. But I love being able to turn that into a, a productive strength for you. That's a, a real sign of success, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think self-awareness is maybe the most important thing in poker and in life. So, yeah. you know, if you're not doing what works for you, you're not, it's not going to work out, in my opinion. So I love it. Uh, Keith, you unmuted. Did you have something for Ben? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Wynn and Venetian. Are those your two favorite stops or are they they're the two that you would recommend to somebody who's about to move to Vegas? Or is it just because you like the places or know the people? Why um, are those your oh, favorite? Yeah, so, yeah I, I would think I think a lot of it is sort of self-selecting in terms of that's where the majority of the tournaments are that kind of run on a regular basis with guarantees, et cetera. Um, but I think they've also proven themselves to be the place that takes care of their players the best. Um, you know, a, it, we have to remember that casinos are a business. And I think a lot of times poker is sort of sh pushed to the side because it doesn't make a ton of money for the casino. And so for a place like Wynn and Venetian that are really, really nice places, you know, really nice properties in Vegas to take poker and specifically poker tournaments seriously is, is a privilege for us. So anything we can do to support that and kind of having regular stops like that is is kind of what I would like to do. But yeah, I mean, the win number one, for sure, for me, uh, Ray Pulford, who is the tournament director there, is a really good friend of mine. And and he um, he loves playing poker. He loves the game. And he takes such incredibly good care of the players and constantly looks for feedback. So I think also just for me, any operator that cares what the players think and want to make improvements is something that I'm, I, I you know, I want to support as well, for sure. But yeah, those two... By far, number one and two in town. Do you get parking at those places or? Uh, Good question. Uh, that's a that's a that's a, a valid question these yeah. days for a tournament player down on the strip. So when I moved to Vegas in 2018, I think Caesar's parking, Caesar's properties parking was free. Uh, MGM wasn't. The Win and Venetian were, and then it's kind of gone back and forth with COVID and not. But the win in Venetian, literally in the last, it's funny that you asked this question because it's literally been in the last, 
less than six months, they changed it to that you have to pay for parking at both of those places now. But if uh, the first three hours, the winner free and you get validated if you're playing something there. So, yes, if, if you're a player, it's free. But you know, if you forget, I paid for I paid for parking a few times at yeah. the win during the last December series because I forgot to get validated. And then at Venetian, they'll upgrade you to the status you need to be uh, if you play if you've proven to have played like ten tournaments in the last year or something. So that's another thing where like they're trying their best to you know cater to nice. us locals. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sasha, did you have something? Uh, yeah. Hi, Ben. It's so Hi, great to meet you and learn about your life. We have a lot in common. We both came here from New York. We both worked in finance. All right. Um, yeah. And uh, we both love stand-up. So I'd love to chat with you sometime about stand-up in Vegas. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Um, I love... Uh, okay. Let me let me start out with this. Um, so I'm just a cash player in mm-hmm. Vegas. And I love... Now being able to really quickly identify the tournament players that sit down on a cash table, uh, because there's such defined differences. Uh, they're they're often very sticky on very thin value, which I commend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they play out of the blinds. Um, let's see, let me get this math right. Oh, 100% more than I do, right? <laughs> and um, they defend blinds like like the earth is about to, you know, disintegrate. Uh, yeah. It's sweet. Um, and then the other night. Um, Something very weird and wonderful happened. Uh, I'm very, you know, friendly, but mum pokerish. And a big hand happened for me. It was very complicated. And the whole table wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of tournament players there. There were some tourists there. And we had this huge group chat, which I've never done in a poker game. And it felt so sweet and so and the tournament gal, she was like, yeah, you're sizing, blah, 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 and this and that. And I'm like, here's range. This, you know, it was just like, you know, eight people like sharing ideas on this one hand. Um, and uh, I just wanted to mention it just because it, it just was like a home game moment in a yeah. serious Vegas room. Um, in terms of when you're talking to folks about skill sets in these two contexts, which are very can be very different. Mm-hmm. Or for yourself, when if you do play ever play cash or I do, I've, I've, I do play. Do, uh, yeah. How do you talk to folks about how they're uh, refining skill sets, moving between um, tournaments and the cash context? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, the the number one thing is obviously like for for tournament players, and I always t- I, I always say this to anyone who it's it's like the question of well what's the one thing you'd tell someone who's kind of starting out in tournaments or wants to get better is is studying your preflop stuff and i think that it's such a you know obviously the, the decisions you make on 20 blinds versus 40 versus 60 versus 80 versus 100 versus whatever 7 etc are so different and i think cash there's a little bit less thought to kind of how you're playing preflop it's pretty static ranges for the most part and it's so much about kind of again, finding that really thin value in, you know, cash games, making sure that you're getting three streets when you have ace king on an ace high board versus ace queen, et cetera, where in tournaments, it's, you know, a little bit more about bluffing and kind of finding those, those other spots. So I think, I mean, I always find that playing cash games more gets me a little bit in a different mindset that ends up helping me in tournaments, especially at the beginning, because you're, you're deeper. Um, so, you know, for me, I think this is the biggest difference is, 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 uh, in terms of, I mean, refining those skill sets. Yeah. It's, there are so many things that overlap that are great, but for me, it's just the pre, I, I still every day try and br- drill on pre-flop stuff 
for tournaments and I'm working on my, you know, 25 big blind ranges and making sure that I am understanding my ICM, you know, reshove spots and what I'm doing on the bubble and things. So for me, that's the biggest kind of like mental difference or sort of refined skill set, if you will. And just to follow up, how does, how does, you said it just sometimes cash games will help you mentally in terms of your tournament. How, how does it help you exactly? I think for me, it's just, you get to play a lot more deep stacked. So it's, it's something where you're playing kind of the same stacks and it, and it allows you to really just think about how you are extracting value in certain hands versus well, you know, I know I can put pressure on this stack size, et cetera. It's like, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to put a ton of pressure on people with 200 blinds deep. So it's very much about just, you know, how is my, if in my mind is sort of like playing PLO, it's like, how is my value up against his value or her value, et cetera. And really thinking about kind of, you know, those minuscule differences in value ranges as opposed to, well, is it value or is it a bluff here? Which is a lot more about tournaments is just trying, trying to define, is it this or is it that versus, what are the kind of like the minuscule differences here in this cash pot? So I just find that I think it's it's all good skills to have because in tournaments, you can just kind of forget those things that are important sometimes. And I think one helps the other for sure. I would just take, I would just say that this notion of there's fewer, there's less bluffing or it's more, you're rarely doing a value versus bluff decision in cash. <laughs> I would not agree with that statement at all. Okay, fair Especially enough. Especially for the very, very good two five and five ten players it's oh yeah yeah, yeah. for sure for sure I, th I think i just say that as more of like a general concept you're i mean 100 percent. i think like you know playing two five five ten etc yeah there's tons of bluffing for sure i just think it's more of um again you know when you're bluffing in a tournament you use the ability you're able to put on someone's uh the pressure you can put on someone's stack to your you know as as sort of how you think about constructing a bluff or what you're able to do in a hand whereas you know in a cash game we're all 200 big blinds deep so a bluff has to be a lot more convincing if you will and you can't just say well i know i can fold him out here because he's short and he's you know doesn't want to you know he doesn't want to go to a turn because he knows he's going to have to call a big bet on the turn if i do something here etc right so you're getting to the river a lot more often in cash games and that just makes your bluff you know you're going to have to go three streets you're going to have to you know, you, you can't give up as easily. You can't get away. Yeah. So that's, that's more what I say. Oh yeah. But I've gotten my ass bluffed off plenty of times in cash. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Jones, you got something? Yeah, Ben. I mean, uh, you had a, congratulations. First of all, you had a really tremendous score at the WPT. Um, is that, do they just call it the December? I, I forget what it's actually called. The championships, the world championship, yeah, world yeah. championship or whatever, but you, and, and it's, it was in a, a mix of uh PLO and, and Hold'em. And I was just kind of curious about, um, is, I, do you play a lot of other mixed games or is, is it, it was, it was that sort of like, oh, I'll just try this out. And I had a great run or is that something you're, you're consistently playing a lot of? I used to play uh, like, almost exclusively mixed games when I was playing. Well, I don't want to say exclusively because, you know, all the tournaments are still mostly no limit hold them, but I used to play a lot of mixed games and really love it. And that was the thing that I wanted. I, th there was a while where I thought my goal is to really get into battling in the 10 K mixed events at the world series. Like that's my dream. I, I want to play the 50 K someday. And I think a lot of the industry folks who work in poker love playing mixed games too. So a lot of my friends played mixed games you know, playing some of the kind of 4-8-8-16 sort of smaller stakes meetup type mixed games in Vegas uh, really kind of got me into it. 
And I used to go down to Atlantic City and play some bigger mixed games at Borgata or go up to Foxwoods every now and then and play some stud games or, you know, mixed games. And so I really I, I really do love the limit games and sort of all that. But PLO, um, I got into sort of randomly as well. It's sort of like, well, I kind of know the rules and played a few tournaments and sort of got the hang of it a bit and started to study more. I don't love playing PLO cash because I just don't have the gamble in me. I don't have what it takes to be, <laughs> you know, just 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 firing away. But I think PLO tournaments to me are one of my favorite formats of poker for sure. Um, and uh, so, no, that was that was not definitely a, a random decision. I always try and play sort of the the mid stakes PLO stuff when I can and when it makes sense. And then just a quick follow up to that. I mean, I think one of the things that, that we've been trying to do at, at Rec Poker is try to introduce people to maybe if they've never played those games, like we have a monthly mixed game that we try yeah. to play and people can sort of experiment with. Um, and uh, first of all, do you think that there do you think that those games will will grow over time? I think they they may be they may. I think they, they have like a strong potential. And then secondly, maybe more importantly, or more bigger question is. Uh, if you're if you were talking to an inexperienced recreational player who maybe has some some hold'em experience, but maybe is kind of like mixed game curious, and uh, what kind of um, advice would you give to them if they wanted to sort of like dip their toe in the mixed game waters? Well, I think I hope they continue to grow, and I think uh, you know series like the World Series Circuit and Run Good, and you know whoever else who are running sort of these four hundred dollar or lower. Omaha eight or horse or whatever are such a great introduction. And I think my mindset with poker was always, I was never sort of afraid to jump in the deep end and just sort of, you know, get in a four, eight mixed game and lose a few hundred to learn what you're doing. And I think a lot of people are just, I always hear people say that, or, and even really good pros too, who are like, well, you know, I, I would play some of those, but I don't know the games well enough. And I think, um, I do appreciate that concept that they want to be really good. They don't want to go into something where they feel like they're uncomfortable in any spot. But I think part of how you learn is you get uncomfortable in those spots and rip the bandaid off and figure it out and sort of play through it. So, you know, my advice would be study the rules of stud and go play a, a low stakes horse tournament. Or, you know, honestly, in Vegas now, there's a pretty good, I think the kind of 2040 to 4080 commun uh, mixed community is really active now, which is great. But there's still always a really good sort of 48816 kind of community of people who it's not going every day here, but often enough that um I think people should just get into it. And I think the other thing about mixed players is they all want more people to play mix. So you go, you play a mixed game. There's always going to be some curmudgeons in mixed games as well. But I think for the most part, everyone wants people to enjoy it and for those games to grow. So they are going to be um you know, patient, more welcoming, trying to help you kind of get up to speed. So I would say my, my advice would be, don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. We all, I mean, I make mistakes every day playing poker and uh, just rip the bandaid off, you know, go play a horse tournament. I love it. And, you know, finding a nice cheap game to make some inexpensive mistakes is a great way to learn, right? I mean, it's one thing to watch the videos and to read the rules, um, but you really have to put yourself in that spot. So I encourage our listeners to join our free home game club here. If you go to rec.poker slash home games, um, you can, we, we play dozens of tournaments, different styles, different mixed game every month. 
And if you're in Las Vegas, uh, head over to uh, Joseph Will's place, um, the Poker Oasis that he runs with his wife, Tony. Um, when I was down there in December, I had a great time. We played 25 cent, 50 cent, uh, played a bunch of different games. I played some for the first time. It was a really friendly crowd. It's all about just having like a friendly crowd and uh, low stakes and uh, dipping your toe. Let's let's find some new games, find some new ways to enjoy poker. I, I couldn't agree. Yeah, let me re- uh, revise my answer. Go to recpoker.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get involved with them. That's how you learn mixed games. (laughs) I love it, Ben. Um, So, I want to talk a little bit about where to go uh, to play poker. We, you uh, enjoy the Run Good series. We talked about that a bit. We've we've loved working with them for the last several years. Um, Fantastic group. One of the things that they do really well, I think, is they have uh, uh, like good structures, very realistic price points um you know their tournament entries a recreational player can show up and and play and even if they know they're going to fire a couple bullets um it's it's very accessible and the people there have have a great time so i find that you get quite a range of players when from a skill and experience level in that um when you're playing in tournaments like that ben i've got two questions for you how do you identify who are the players that are less experienced versus more experienced? And then how might you adjust your play from one group to the other in a similar mm. spot? Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the tough answer is stereotype. I think for sure. sort of, you know, I think even great player, great players would say physical appearance is sometimes going to be a big giveaway, right? You know, if, if I show up and I'm wearing headphones and my, I got a nice leather backpack you can make some assumptions about me and then vice versa. You know, if the guy shows up wearing a Steelers jersey at the table and, you know, it seems very gregarious and he's drinking beers, I'm like, well, you know, man. But I think nice, I, nice. <laughs> um, you're at the right table is what you're saying. If you're yeah, yeah, exactly. Steelers, yeah, 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 I love it. I saw this guy in Baltimore and I was like, all right, so start betting bigger. Okay, cool. No, I think, uh, you know, I and I, I always say this because I, I hate over i think you have to come in with sort of some some player types in your mind um and i hate the idea of just saying oh this person's a recreational player this person's a fish or a bad player versus a good player like that doesn't really help anyone because there are so many different types of bad player and i hate the word bad player too i think it's like there are so many types of people who deviate from what you would consider maybe theoretically optimal, right? Like Mm. maybe someone doesn't realize that they're playing way too many hands preflop. And so the adjustment there is that you can play a lot more hands against them in position and take advantage of, you know, when they're over, when they're playing way too many hands, or maybe they're playing way too few hands or they're they're never bluffing, or they're always kind of, you know, there's, there's only value there. So then your adjustment is to fold a lot more and just kind of, you know, give up when you've got a weak ace on an ace high board. Cause you know, you're going to just lose to ace King a lot kind of thing. Um, but I always tell people there's so many different kinds of bad, you know? And I think, I think just saying, well, this person's a wreck or this person's this or that is the wrong way to think about it. It's much more, you know, take one decision that they made. Maybe it was that they showed down a hand that, you know, somehow they got to the river with nines on a, you know, three Broadway board and they never should have gotten there and they should have given up. Well, all right, so so take that piece of information, right, and extrapolate from there and say, well, we know they're playing too many hands. Maybe the, the piece of it is that they're way too attached to hands preflop. You know that when they find a pair, they're never going to give up. Maybe they are in, in unable to fold 
you know, a hand like kings, queens, or aces in a spot where you, you should be able to find a fold. So every time you have two pair, you want to start betting bigger because you know they're never going to give up or vice versa. So um, I hate identifying bad versus good, rec versus pro, all this. It's much more take one decision that someone's made and and go from there. Because, yeah. you know, physical appearance will get you certain. Uh, and again, I, I know it's mostly, you know, joking, but I think like you can make an assumption that you see someone who's young who sits down at the table, maybe they're going to be very aggressive, but I also hate pigeonholing yourself to that too. You know, take what you can from the start, but wait till you see something to make your adjustment worthwhile. You know, don't overassume from the start because that's gets me into trouble all the time. I have so many times assumed that no offense that, you know, a guy, an older guy in his forties or fifties or sixties, like, well, he doesn't know what he's doing. And then make some incredible play. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I forgot that <laughs> these guys know how to study, too. So I've I've gotten away from trying to over uh, over kind of put myself in a box too quickly with uh, with, with with reads like that. Yeah, I, I we, we talk about on the show um, like I when I started, it was I played a lot online. And so I got used to categorizing opponents, like you say, by the mistakes that they would make. Oh, you're yes. too tight. You get a red yes. tag. You're yeah. too aggressive. You get an orange tag. You're too loose and passive. You get a green tag. Yep. And it's a much more helpful way to categorize opponents by the mistakes that they make just by whether they're good or bad. Because like you say, there's a lot of different ways of being bad. And 100%. that doesn't what is you know, the fish tag help, you to help me, you know, accomplish. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. They're bad, but it's, you know, notes and being specific. I think it's like, and and someone out there listening who's trying to kind of get better at this challenge yourself to to really find a specific thing to go after you know and it do, I, don't you don't have to figure everything out you're never going to know everyone's game or how they're going to make every decision but if you can find one thing that you know you can kind of take advantage of or extrapolate on or they're playing way too much out of position and it's going to get them into trouble and they find themselves in terrible spots because they keep flatting out of the small blind when they should be folding, you know, the majority of the time or three betting. Um, take advantage of that piece, you know? So, yeah. I love it. Uh, well, we're getting close to the end of the interview portion of the show here. So I'll give folks in the YouTube chat one more chance. We've got some comments in there so far, which is great. Love the support. Um, ben, so my last question then would be, um, <clears throat> When well, actually, I've got I've got two. I suppose you talk about um, playing live a lot and knowing how to adjust to the mistakes that you see your opponents take. Um, how do you record information while you're playing live? Do you take notes? Do you just remember it all? And what are the things that you try and remember and really like hold on to while you're playing in a in a tournament with someone that you might not play in another tournament with again for weeks or months or ever? I I, I am. Very, very, very good question. Um, and it's funny, the person who I talk the most poker with, my Jeff Platt, he, for years and years, I was so bad at remembering hand histories and do, I'd be like, I think I was the cutoff and it was like 1600 big blind or maybe it was 6K, I don't know. And <laughs> and so I've, I've really, in terms of just recording, I try and as soon as the hand is over, text it to someone. I have, you know, several chats of people that I talk poker with or I write it down. I think luckily the thing that is my strength is, is the adjustment piece. That part I don't have to think or take notes as much about. Like that's kind of sticks out to me and sticks in my mind a lot better where it's like, oh, I saw so-and-so so do this, or I played with this guy before and I remember this about him. You know, the technical piece of the hands and sort of going back and kind of getting into the precision of the theory is 
is the part where I have trouble remembering sometimes. And, you know, suits in a hand are way more important than they used to be because of, you know, the, the, the blockers that you pick for certain types of bluffs or this is the hand that I want to have when I'm calling because, you know, it unblocks all the hands that are good for him to bluff with here or her to bluff with here. So um, I don't take a ton of information in terms of player specific stuff. And uh, it's much more the hand history itself that I'm, you know, but I will put in sometimes in a hand history, you know, old crazy guy with a Steelers hat on did X, <laughs> you know, so just for some context. So it's not completely in a vacuum. But yeah, I think it's uh, for me, it's a lot more about the, the hand itself and the the context. Luckily, I remember pretty well. Right on. Good for you. Well, uh, you got you got having that sort of in-game memory is uh, is really important, too. It's just a natural skill um, for for any poker player. I got something at least. Yeah. <laughs> Not great uh, choice in football teams, but we can talk about that. That's all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this has been a fantastic interview. Um, we're going to we're going to play uh stake study stack with you in a second here, and then we'll close the action with our speed round. Um, before right. we do, Ben, is there is there a, a way that you'd like fans if they enjoyed the interview to reach out and say hi or get more um, Ben Ludlow in their life? Is it on Twitter or uh uh, what's your preferred way to interact with people in the poker world? Twitter or Instagram are great. Twitter, probably most specifically at Bloodlow, B-L-O-O-D-L-O-W. Reach out. I'm addicted to my phone. So, you know, <laughs> I have been pretty good this year. I, I was scrolling way too much and on Instagram and Twitter way too much last year. So I now have a one and a half hour a day screen time limit. And nice. I've been kind of using it and I'm sticking to it. So, you know, if I don't get back to you for... 20 minutes that's why <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, no. definitely always feel free to reach out on twitter instagram i'm always there that's great and, and good, good for you for the time blocking that's something that i'm trying to do more of as i it's, learn more about myself and like my how God. to be my best um it seems like, like a little discipline and planning can go a long way when it comes to that I, I just i have to force myself with things like that or i'm just out of control so yep. again self-awareness right <laughs> yep yeah it goes a long way all right, Chris Jones, you are the YouTube chat master. Uh, have you pulled a few names for a Stake Study Stack tonight? I have. Okay. I have. All right. So, Ben, this is a, this is a game we call Stake Study Stack. You, I'm going to give you three names. You're going to choose one of these players that you would stake in a mm -hmm. uh, tournament or cash game, one that you really would like to study with and learn from, Okay. and then one that you would just take an enormous amount of pleasure of just stacking them and taking all their chips. Respect. Love it. Let's do All it. All right. And I we're no, gonna No we're Mercy. Gonna, no mercy. No mercy. We're gonna pick some names that we've mentioned in these interviews here so okay. far, uh, as well as a couple that came up in the chat. So uh I've got Brian Winter, Jeff Platt, and Clayton Fletcher. Ooh, wow. Um I will go uh stake Jeff Platt, study Brian Winter, stack Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> right I like on. it. I like it. I like Zero it. hesitation too. Yeah, it was, that, it was just like he like... just had it. He just had it. It was yeah, 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 not, yeah, yeah. Just, sorry. Just... Sorry, but not sorry, Clayton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, awesome. I will shout out Clayton. He gave me my biggest opportunity ever in comedy. So I love that guy. But <laughs> oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's he's, he's been but on the stack show. Stack his ass. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, take those chips. Go get that cheddar. Uh all right. So Ben, we're gonna close out the show with uh the segment that we like to call closing the action so this is a speed round i'm looking for fast answers you can say pass if you don't have something close it close it close to your the speed your is tongue. the key here speed is the key yeah okay. quick and short and we're gonna fire through here all right we'll start with an easy one ben ludlow what's your favorite poker hand aces 
Is poker a gamble or a skill game? Skill. What's your biggest poker pet peeve? Uh, tanking, preflop. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Oh, yeah. Is Ace King a drawing hand? Mm, no. Are you pro-chop or no-chop? I'm pro-chop. What player type are you? Ooh. Uh, knit. <laughs> uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? God, I could go on for hours about this. Yes. Yes. It is. Actually, um, it might be a taco, but I think a taco is a sandwich too. We'll oh, okay. I, I love. Anyway. We get some good answers about. I've, I've talked. These I've talked guys. so much about this. We'll have to have another podcast about it. So <laughs> continue. continue. Um, should vacations be lazy or busy? Busy. What's one thing you're afraid of? Um. Oof. Uh, snakes. Yellow light coming up. Slow down or speed up. Speed up. Uh, register early or late, Reg? Early. All right. This, that's the end of the speed round. We have one okay. more question for you, Ben. One more question. This can do with poker or not. Mm-hmm. Looking back on a life lived, someone comes up to you today with a gun to your head and says, you have to go back and do one thing differently. You have to go change one thing in your life. What do you do differently? Oh, boy. Is this part of the speed round or do I have a second? No, now you can take a moment. <laughs> okay. Now you can take a moment and set yourself. Um, oof. one thing I would change about my life. Um, I will go. Okay. I, when, when I was in college, I was funny enough. I was a, once upon a time, I was a national team rower, lightweight rower hmm. from the United States and went to Dartmouth and rode lightweight at Dartmouth. And I broke my ribs a bunch of times and kind of got fed up with it. And I left my sophomore season and was just sort of over it and didn't make very good efforts to come back and try and row again. And I would have loved to try and uh, row with all my friends junior and senior year and, you know, win some stuff. So great, great answer. I appreciate that. And no, we do that. We do the speed round just to loosen you up and clear your mind. And then we yeah, come yeah, in, yeah. come in with the hook. It's hard to pick one because I changed about a hundred things, but you know. <laughs> no, that's, that's the first good, one that's that's that popped one. into my mind. That's a good that's one. That's what yeah. we're going for. And you got um tallying it up here, um, 784 points, which is a really Fantastic. excellent score. Excellent for the speed round. What's the yeah, high score? Yeah. Uh, I think it was like 2,400 or something. Someone, wow, so no, really, they really just flew through. There were a couple, just a couple pregnant pauses here that cost you, I think, Ben. Yeah, but yeah, otherwise yeah. It was, it was, the, really it was the fear one because I didn't want to say dying alone, but you know, that was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been this has been a treat. I knew this was going to be a fun time, Ben. Um, you're a real pleasure to play with at the tables, and I just I can tell you're just uh, uh, one of these good guys um, that's enjoying his life in poker. So, um, thanks for saying yes to come on the show and being so accommodating and uh, being a great guest. We appreciate your time here. Thank you all. Really appreciate it. And uh, anytime you want to have me back, I'll be back. So, thanks again. All right. Well, looking for, hey, you know what? We're going to take you up on that one of these days. We'll have you come back on the forums edition and we'll talk some strategy questions. Yeah, I'd love to talk some strategy anytime. Yeah. Okay. All right. Look for me, buddy. Thanks again. Great job. Thank you guys. Be good. All right. Well, if you want to find out more about uh, Ben, we'll make sure that that Twitter handle is in the show notes. uh, Bloodlow, B L O O D L U W. 
And we're going to uh, start giving away some prizes here on the show. If folks want to type, ty- start typing the words food bank in. Uh, one quick announcement. I want to say happy birthday to Martha Reed. It's her birthday tonight. My sainted mother. Hope she's enjoying herself. And uh, happy birthday to her. Um, John Somsky, why don't you take us through some home game results, and then we will uh, see who's going to win our food bank raffle prize tonight. Well, actually, I need to interrupt myself before we start on these home game results. Uh, we, at the end of every year, I come up with a post that is our home games by the numbers. So uh, now that 2023 is over, here's the information for those uh, games in 2023. So for the most wins, David Westerveld and Ron Payton both earned 19 wins in 2023 with Stuart Carriage pulling up in third place with 14 wins. Wow. And just just to interrupt you for a moment here, both um, K-Poker Wannabe and Evil Roy Slade are in the YouTube chat right now. Congratulations to both of them. 19 wins is a lot. That's more than one and a half a month. Congratulations, guys. That's a really, really impressive way to go. And your question may be, how did they get so many wins? And it's partially due to this next category, which is the most number of tournaments played. Now, nobody played all 479 home games that we offered wow. in 2023. <laughs> but wow. Evil Roy CA, David Westerveld, any guesses on how many he played? I'm, I mean, out of 479, I'm guessing the answer starts with a four. I'm, that would be my guess. It 465. Wow, wow. Dave Westerville. What yeah. a freaking trooper. Man. That means he only missed 14 tournaments the entire year. <laughs> oh, that is so impressive. That is fantastic. Wow. That's and our lifetime we, achievement winner, Dave Westerveld. Yep. We also have Isenma, who actually won this category last year, played 435 tournaments. Oh, and then amazing. in third place was K Poker Wannabe Ron Payton, who hey. got 384. Uh, there you go. Events played. Super the, impressive. I just, most, just, I mean, that's amazing. H- hundreds yeah. and hundreds of these. It's um, more than free, one a day. Money poker tournaments. Yeah, he's yes. in there on Saturdays and all, some of those all three Wednesdays. Of them are more than one a day. Yeah. Yep. That's a great point. That's I can't get over that. So that's that's uh, uh, Dave Westerveld. Um, Ron Payton and Spike Isma that uh, yep. is, is technically more than that information is private right now. I always have a soft spot in my heart for Isma because they're the person that John Somsky yeah. first yeah, started it, tripping it, over their too. username too. back that, in the day. That's the best. That's a, that's <laughs> the best name that we've ever had because it it took yeah. him so long to get it right. Uh, I'm so glad that he, that Spike is still playing to his continued level of excellence yeah. here in the free play money home games. At well, Rebels. and now I can just say, is I'm going to like that? Isn't it's like nothing. Isma. It's like rolls yeah, right exactly. off the tug. Oh, congratulations, then, everybody. Super impressive. Next, we have the most pins. Now, theoretically, oh. there were nine pins that were possible to win in 2023. But for several of those, only one of them was given away. So nobody won nine pins. However... Fergie 56, Kim Kilroy, did win four pins. Wow. She won a mixed bronze, a daily bronze, a mixed TOC silver, and the Silver Lifetime Achievement Award. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Then we have um, 
And we had uh, seven people won three pins, 21 people won two, and then 90 people won a single pin. Those were all of the pins won and, last and, year. And, and, and those and are some, some people won zero. <laughs> oh yes! Yeah. Everyone else won zero. <laughs> uh, those are not those are not easy to win, folks. And um, if if you have won one of these beautiful pins here, um, if if you find me at a rec poker event, I, I carry them around with me, and I've got the spreadsheet on my phone, so I can for free hand over any pins that you have earned. I will be. At Running Aces this weekend, if anyone's there, uh, come claim your pins for free from me. Otherwise, you can go and order them through the website. We just charge uh, shipping and handling so I can get my little butt off to the post office and bundle them up and send them off to you personally. So if you have earned a pin and you'd like it, uh, email me is probably the easiest way, Jim at rec.poker, and I'll give you some um, instructions on how to claim that claim that pin. You so next we have merch? the... I'm bringing, uh, for this one, I'm bringing the pins, and we'll have some patches there, and uh, um, there might be a couple, there might be a couple uh, shirts, compliments of Jack and Jill, uh, who created some Rec Poker branded merchandise for us to share with some members, so hopefully, fingers crossed, if you get get me early, you might catch some of those, uh, some of the new garments from Jack and Jill. Burke, way to go, team. Next, we have the most caches. K-Poker wannabe Ron Payton had 84 caches, which meant he cashed in 22% of the tournaments that he played in. Evil Roy CA, David Westerveld, got 69 caches for 15%. And Isma also got 60, well, not also, he got 64 caches for also 16, 15% rather. All right, a couple of killers out there. And last but not least, the best ROI for players who have played at least 100 tournaments. So if you didn't play 100 tournaments, you weren't in the running for this. We have Bone Crusher 14, Marcel Dusik got 61%. Sweet. Keto Man 335, Kian Tavakoli got 54%. And K-Poker Wannabe, Ron Payton got 52%. So you can huh. see there were several names repeated throughout all of these things. Congratulations to all of them. Yeah, way to go, everybody. And a couple uh, OGs of uh, Rec Poker there on the ROI front as well. No surprise there. Super impressive. And John, speaking of super impressive, way to go running another year with 470-something free home games in our home game club that people get to come and participate in. Um, we're so lucky to have you running this whole organization um, that everyone benefits from so much. The heads up challenges every quarter, the monthly mixed games, uh, all the no limit hold'em stuff, all the tournaments of champions, um, the go for the gold. Uh, it's just so impressive, and we're all so grateful and appreciative. Uh, my hats off to you, sir. Uh, thank you again. Fantastic work that you do. Well, I try to do my best, and even though I make lots of mistakes, I try to <laughs> keep it running. Uh, <laughs> next, we have E. Anderson 85. Eric Anderson won the Mixed Game Championship Series mm-hmm. on January 10th. That was No Limit 5-card draw. This is his first Mixed Game victory for the year. And, of course, this yes. also puts him in the lead for the Player of the Year points race. That's right. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Remember, for these championship series, only your best top 10 scores, so only 10 of your of the 12 games, if you play all 12, will count. Or if you miss a couple, then no one, everyone has to throw away their uh, 10th and, or 11th and 12th win anyway, so it won't put you as too, at too much of a deficit. 
Yeah, I was even too sick to play the first week. So even if you miss a month like me, um, you can even miss two months and you'll still get a chance to count your uh, best 10 scores in our player of the year race that runs all the way to December. Exactly. Then we have our daily series TOC that was played on January 8th. Evil Roy CA David Westerveld got his first TOC victory for the year. That is his 66th lifetime victory. Then for our daily series, Stuart, Stewie 13, Stuart Carriage got his first nightly victory. Really Noah, story. 1291, Noah Anderson got his first nightly victory yeah. for the year. Now you said it, Joe got his first international victory for the year. East Coast bidder Ben Enzlo got his first international victory for the Wasting year. Wasting no time. Ben, yeah. Ben's, got a, Ben's got a goal for this year to oh, win 21. 21 rec poker home games this year. I mean, that is very, uh, that's setting the bar pretty high. How many was Jacob Kiki's uh, goal? Was it two years ago? 20. 20. And I think, and Dave has won 21, I think in a year. And I think someone else won 19, you were saying this past year. Um, So 21, I mean, that's, I I I I'm 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 worried Ben's going to be feeling a little stressed out in December. So Ben, I would say get those 21 victories out of the way early because uh, you're going to be you're going to be in the in the in the blender come the end of the year. But man, I I am rooting for you. That would be fantastic if you can yeah. pull that off. 21 is rarefied air, so that's going to yeah. be tough to do. I remember after uh, Jacob made his victory for 20 the next year i did said i was gonna i was at least half as good so i was gonna win 10 <laughs> and i did manage to scrape by winning those 10 but man, 21 well, i don't think so ben ben knows what he's doing if anyone can do it and he knows how to game select he's in there in those small field international tournaments on saturdays and if and if people want to watch along on ben's fantastic journey this year um you can go check him out uh on twitch.tv slash He's got a lot of great stuff going on over there. So congratulations on your goal, Ben, early, because I know you're going to knock it out of the park. And this is just the first start. Here we go. Congratulations. You know, that sounds like that should be a series on either Netflix or Hulu. Ben's fantastic journey. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Shamu, asterisk, 27140, Hmm. Roger Lamp. Roger. Won his first LPP event of the year, so he can contact info at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. <laughs> Fantastic. He's going to really enjoy that. I know, uh, uh, like a lot of our other great learning partners, uh, Learn Pro Poker is... Uh, a fantastic place to go take your game to the next level. And we're happy to give away a free month every Sunday when someone wins our Learn Pro Poker home game club. Again, the games are free to play, but the prizes are real. Um, is there anything else that we should be queuing up over the next little while? It's almost time for Marek Madness. So that's uh, something to start getting excited about. Um So far, I only see one person typing the word food bank into the YouTube chat. Uh, we've got a few other people in the stream right now, so this is your last chance to enter the pro- enter the draw and see if you can win a prize. Um, is there anything else that we should be talking about, folks? What's uh, coming up? I'm just super excited about heading out to Running Aces again this weekend. Um, we're going to be supporting a local food bank out there there, too. So if you're listening to this live on YouTube or if you're listening to this the day that it comes out Friday morning, it's not too late to swing by Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, just an hour north of the Twin Cities in Columbus, Minnesota. 
and bring either a monetary donation or a non-perishable food item um, to, to donate towards the uh, second harvest. Actually, let me, well, I'll just make sure that we are, uh, it's the second harvest. <laughs> oh, damn, I don't remember exactly the name of the food bank. Yeah, no, that's second, the name. That, that's a local, but they do good work. Yeah, uh, second harvest something um, in uh, Minnesota. Uh, we've been communicating over email about setting that up. So that'll be a nice way to uh, support a local food bank and have some fun with us um, at Rec Poker Weekend. Um, all right. Well, I see we've got two people to roll the die between um, Chris. We can either, it's either going to be Kay Boker Wannabe or Jennifer Galloway, who's going to win a fantastic prize tonight. Um, Chris, what? What sided die would you like to roll for our our binary choice here? I can't believe we don't have more people that want to win a free prize just by typing the words food bank into the YouTube chat. I'll give them one more second to do it because I'll yeah, say I gotta log in too. So give we keep keep stalling. We actually we recently uh YouTube is we've we've got enough YouTube followers now that uh we can take super chats, which is a way of donating to our cause right through the YouTube chat. So if anyone, if you're a I don't know, do you have to be a YouTube premium member or something like that? Um if you are and you'd like to donate, um we'll be sharing a portion of all of our YouTube donations with a local food bank, and it's our pleasure to uh support. Um, a cause like that, because um, food insecurity is something that, that affects people all over the world. Uh, maybe someone in your own backyard or in your own in your own neighborhood that you might not expect. And uh, donating to your local food bank is a great way to uh, make the world a better place. All right, Chris, I think we are all set up here. You can right. do a is that a I'm doing, eight cider? I'm, I'm doing a ten cider. A ten cider because I never get to roll the ten cider. Okay, that's, we that's always fine. have more so, or less, like six or did something. One time I rolled the twenty cider, but I've never rolled the ten cider. So, so do we want to do odd and even? Ron's a little odd. No. Yep. Oh, yep. That that's good. a great odd idea. Even. All right, okay. Ron's odd definitely even. odd. Let's see uh, who the zero, winner's going to be. Zero is even. Just, zero is even. Just for all right clarification. Yep. And no, always, always good to be clear. Away we go. It's a five, of course. It's a five. That's odd. That's Ron. Um, Ron, congratulations. Ron has a good track record in these. Um, Ron, send that email, please, to info at rec.poker. Um, you've won a prize. If you are not already a Rec Poker Premium member, then congratulations. You've won a free month at Rec Poker. And if you are um, already a Rec Poker Premium member, then you've won a series of other fantastic prizes. Uh, membership to Learn Pro Poker or Solve for Why pokercoaching.com, the Poker Forge, uh, Tournament Poker Edge. We've also got discounts on uh, coaching material and coaching experiences through the Rec Poker Shop. So check that out. Um, I'll look forward to getting that email, Ron. To everyone else, I guess I just want to say uh, thank you to the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. We couldn't do what we do without their support. Um, thanks to Ben Ludlow for being a fantastic guest. Keith Brandt, Sasha Sutton, Chris Jones, John Somsky um, for being on the Wrecking Crew and being great supporters of everything we do here at Wreck Poker. And you, uh, the listeners, and in the YouTube chat, thanks for coming out and having a great time. We'll see you next week on the Wreck Poker Podcast. Night, everybody.